failed us and let us down. But we found out that as we peruse the pages of Scripture, um, it seems that virtually everybody, every, every, every individual that, that emerges in, 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 the, in salvation history, from, from Adam and Eve going forward to the end of the book, you see a lot of instances of people who are loving God, serving God, trying to do God's will, and yet in their lives, they, at some point, they encounter some severe disappointment or letdown when, when people or systems or themselves or when they perceive even that God himself has failed them and let them down. And we found out last week as we talked about people like Moses and, and Elijah and Joseph and Jesus that if you are dealing with disappointment, if you've been let down at some point in your life, you are indeed in good company. And so you don't need to feel ostracized or isolated or alone. You don't have to feel that there's something wrong with you, that you are somehow defective. And sometimes the enemy wants to, to, to cordon you off in that kind of a corner where you feel, man, I, I, nobody else, you know, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows what I'm going through. And so, you know, I'm in this, uh, and, and so there must be something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not praying hard enough. Maybe my faith isn't, isn't strong enough. Maybe my, my walk isn't tight enough. You know, I'm just something, just something. But let me tell you something. Today we'll see an example of somebody who did everything right that they knew to do. And, and over and over again, they encountered disappointment. But the flip side of that was in the midst of that disappointment, God was at work every step of the way. I'm talking about Joseph. So we're going to zero in on his story a little bit tonight. But um, Bob, Bob Deffenbaugh related a story of a husband who went out to his car one morning only to, to discover that it wouldn't turn over. And uh, he looked, picked up, uh, looked, lifted up the hood and found out that his battery had been stolen. Uh, and then he found a note under the hood where the battery was supposed to be that said, uh, it was, uh, I'm sorry I had to take your battery, but it was an emergency, and I had to get to the hospital. I will return your battery as soon as I can. A little later, the battery was returned, and they left another note. Thank you so much for the use of your battery. To express our appreciation and to make up for the inconvenience we have caused you, here are two tickets to the Dallas Cowboy game this, this, this Sunday. Now, so this couple, they were like, they were jazzed. They were, they were just over the top with, 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 with joy because uh, they were fans of the Cowboys and they were thrilled at the opportunity to go to the game. And so this them, which seemed to have been a, an unfortunate incident, turned out to be a wonderful turn of events. So they went to the game, but what happens is when they returned home from the game, they discovered, much to their dismay, that their apartment had been cleaned out. And so the football tickets were basically only a trick to get them out of the house. That's what disappointment is like, isn't it? You're handed one set of promises, and it turns out to be something quite the opposite of what you thought it would be, Right? And so last week we talked about Joseph and we talked about um, his story a little bit. But today we'll go in depth a little bit because Joseph was from a kind of a dysfunctional family. He had three stepmothers and six stepbrothers living all in the same house. That sounds like a mess to me. But Joseph is, is, is you know, obviously the, the favorite child of his, of his father, Jacob. And uh, Jacob was, 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 was unwise enough to, to share that and let that be known that this was. If, if you have a favorite child, don't tell your kids. You know, so obviously we know what happens is that his brothers are jealous and they, they, they evolve to the place where they literally hate Joseph. And so they, 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 they scheme and they, 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 they figure it out until they've been given the opportunity. They finally find a way to sell Joseph into slavery in Egypt, right, and convince their 
father that he was killed by a wild beast, right? And so look at Joseph. One moment, he's a 17-year-old kid, right? Filled with hope, filled with exuberance, filled with enthusiasm. And uh, his whole life ahead of him, right? 17 years old. You remember how tender you were at 17? No, but in one moment, 17 years old. And then all of a sudden, he's a slave, and his only prospect in life is that of absolute drudgery. Can you relate? That's disappointment. So in Egypt, there's, you know, Joseph is purchased, because he's a slave, right, by a man named Potiphar. And so several years pass by, and Joseph is... um, uh, has been sold into slavery, and he's worked his way into a position of responsibility in Potiphar's household. Over the course of time, though, Mrs. Potiphar decides that she um, wants to have a, a sexual relationship with Joseph, and she begins to, to pursue him. And, of course, the matter comes to a head one day when she tries to make a move on Joseph. She grabs him and, and demanded that he you know, sleep with her, and, and um, Joseph refuses and he flees and unfortunately she was holding to his cloak and I guess cloaks don't they're not like pants and shirts and so uh, his cloak was left behind and he ran and got out of there and so what she did was as she became angry she decided I'm gonna protect myself and so she lied and she said that Joseph was trying to to make a move on her and this way she could protect her own reputation and, and at the same time get revenge on Joseph so she's screaming, claiming that Joseph had assaulted her, her and, and she had the cloak in her hand. She had the evidence, right? And uh, when her husband learned of this, he, he becomes angry. And what happens? He throws Joseph into what? Prison. Now, Joseph was unjustly, unrighteously prisoned. In fact, Joseph was imprisoned, really. It seemed like the charges were that he had done the wrong thing, but he was, he was imprisoned, really, for doing the what? Right thing. Isn't it something how sometimes when we try our best to do the right thing, we, we, we encounter adverse consequences? Now, if it were me, if it was you, I, I don't know. It may have been easy to give up in despair at this moment. You, you went to the thing with your brothers. You got sold into slavery. You're doing okay. And all of a sudden, you, you've been lied on and you find yourself in prison. It would have been easy for me to just give up in despair and say, you know what? Nothing I'm doing here works. But if you look at the story of Joseph, I think what you'll find is some principles that will help you to not give in to disappointment. Now, you may be saying, well, that's okay about his prison, but I'm not in prison. If you were to declare this morning to me that you're not in prison, I would ask you, are you so sure? Because prison takes place in different forms for different people. We can be imprisoned by our circumstances. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Trapped in situations that, that, uh, that we are, we're powerless to change. We can be imprisoned, imprisoned by the expectations of other people around us. Huh? Some of you may be, have been imprisoned by guilt. Many of us are walking around with this, this big load of this burden of guilt from things that have happened years before. And we find ourselves in a kind of prison. Others may have forgiven you, but you, you haven't forgiven yourself. So regardless of what prison experience you may find yourself in, Joseph provides us with some insights for coping with that situation. And so we want to look at how Joseph handles disappointments in life and his ability to live in undeserved and unpleasant circumstances with faith and hope. And I think we'll find this, that what enabled Joseph to live through these circumstances proved to be the means by which God brought about his release and rise in power to the second highest position in Egypt. Three principles. And the first one is this. 
Joseph knew that God had not and would not forsake him. Let me just read a little scripture to you from chapter 39 of Genesis, verses 20 through 23. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Now, now that Joseph is in prison, we learn that although Joseph didn't deserve to be in prison, he responded to it in the right way. He responded to it in an exemplary manner. What's important is the way in which the character of Joseph grew during the imprisonment. See, sometimes we can find ourselves in a, in a position where we devolve or where we grow down in the midst of, of our challenges. But Joseph found the way to, to grow in his character during this imprisonment. In, in similar circumstances, others may have become harsh and bitter and mean, withdrawn, but not Joseph. Somehow, by the grace of God, prison actually strengthened Joseph's character. Psalm 105, verse 18, refers to Joseph's imprisonment. It says this, they hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. Can you imagine iron collar around his neck, chain around his ankles, scraping his skin and making it probably difficult to even sleep? You can imagine the discomfort. Another translation renders this verse like this. His soul entered into iron. And you could turn that around. It would read something like this. Iron entered into his soul. So it seems to, to, to indicate to us that this was more than a physical imprisonment. This was a time of, of refinement and maturing spiritually. If we want to use that, 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 that rendering, iron entered into his soul. Instead of him being broken down and weakened, you see, the enemy can't break you down unless you let him. Until of him being, instead of him being broken down and weakened, what happened is iron entered his soul and strength arose in him and, and he grew in his character. He matured spiritually. Famous quote by C.S. Lewis in his book, The Problem of Pain. He says, God whispers in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. And we have a couple of choices. We can become bitter and disillusioned when we're faced with disappointment. Or we can use difficulties as a means of finding a deepening hope and trust in God as we allow God in the midst of that, the stuff we're going through to shape us. Earlier in Genesis 39, we read that the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in everything he did. And in the verses that I read a few moments ago, we find that although the circumstances have, have changed, this truth remains the same. Where is God when Joseph was thrown in the dungeon? In the dungeons, does he silence? Does the silence mean that he's that he's not there? That he's absent? We're not left to wonder. According to verse twenty-three, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was what, where with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. The Lord was with Joseph. He was with Joseph at Potiphar's house. He was with Joseph when he was sent to prison. The Lord went there as well. I, I would suggest to you that wherever you are in your life and whatever you're faced with right now, whatever you're confronted with, the Lord is with you and will be, has always been, and yes. will never leave you nor forsake you. 
See, lies and accusations are what put Joseph in prison, but it was the Lord who stayed near him and that sustained his soul while he was there. And so when you and I are trapped by difficult circumstances, the quickest and easiest response is to feel that God has forgotten you. I don't know. If, I've been there. Have you? Have you ever felt God? Uh, yeah. would, would you put, give me a, raise me up on your list a little bit. Uh, have you, uh, hello, I'm down here. I'm hurting. I'm going through this. I'm, I'm praying. I'm talking to you. I'm, I'm, I'm paying my tithes. I'm, I'm serving in the church. I'm, I'm, I'm reading my Bible every day. I'm, I'm praying. Uh, hello. You know what I'm talking about? It would have been easy for Joseph to have gone there. And it's easy for us to do that and to feel as though God has for, forgotten us. When fear and disappointment threaten to overwhelm us, we need to stop and remember this, that no matter what you're going through, God is still with you. You've got to resolve in your spirit. You've got to make a, a decision that no matter what I go through, I will always come back to this reality and I will, and I will, I will confess it in the face of, of the enemy. I will say, God is with me. He, Jesus promised he would never leave you nor forsake you. We've got to hold on to that because sometimes that's all you have in the moment. And, and this, this promise appears in Scripture in several places. I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. Deuteronomy 31, 6. Joshua 1, 6. Hebrews 13, 5. God uses, I know this is not popular, right? But God uses painful experiences, and he'll even use disappointment to mature us. Spiritual maturity is learning to walk by faith, regardless of the circumstances. When you, were, when, you, when you were young in the faith, everything threw you. Everything rattled you. Everything caused you to doubt God and doubt yourself and f- fly off the handle and, and go into some sort of tizzy. But as you grow in the things of faith, you learn in the things of the Lord. As you grow in, in the things of the Spirit, you learn to walk by faith, regardless of circumstances. And even when, you, when there's a, there can be disorientation and disarray in your life in the moment. But there's this, that understanding that I'm not going anywhere. That's what I, t- I, I talk to God. I say, you know what? One thing about it, I ain't going nowhere. I'm here, and I know you're there, and I know you, you're with me, so I'm, and I'm going to hurt and suffer, and, and, and I'll deal with my pain, I'll deal with my difficulty, I'll deal with, I'll deal with the times when I'm, when I'm mean and grumpy, when i got a bad attitude, but I ain't going nowhere because I know that I have no help anywhere else. But he promised that he will never leave me nor forsake me, and he will work in the difficult situations. He'll work in disappointment in your life to bring you to a place of greater maturity. I know you can. Is there, an, is there, is there another way I could do this? Is there like a correspondence class or like a, a, an online module that I could take to get to mature? Can I, can I, is there a book I could read? You know, God says, no. I'm going to, because we are all human and we all live in this life and we all encounter the same stuff that everybody else does. As Christians, the advantage we have is we know how we, we, can, we can fly over to go through it, but whatever, we know that God is with us and we know that on the other side we're going to come out better than we went in. And we know in the end that we as the people of God ultimately, ultimately triumph and we triumph every day because of that ultimate triumph, right? And I know we, God, I wish you wouldn't use these things, but he, he does. He does. And so, Use your difficulties and your challenges. Allow God to use those things and work them to your advantage. And it's, it's, it's kind of unfortunate that sometimes some, some folks may have been taught that if you have enough faith, you'll never go through anything. You'll never suffer. But faith, faith will provide you the deliverance from every adversity. You just got you know, to name it and claim it and, and confess it and bless it and stand tough. You know, and it's funny. I've been in the, in the faith a long time, and I've walked alongside a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of friends. And I know friends that kind of, when we were younger, they believed that stuff. And they would say, well, you know, you know, I'd say, yeah, whatever, you know. 
And then you look back 30 years, and you know what? They went through the same stuff I went through. And they came out about the same as I did. Because the truth is, all of us go through stuff. All of us, we're talking about disappointment. All human beings, all of us will face disappointment. So, you know, the idea that if, you, if you're spiritual enough, if you, if you have enough faith, you know, you, 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 you won't go through these things. Now, God is not obligated to, to make you rich. God is not obligated to make you popular. Sorry. God's not obligated to, to, to give you a life that's free from trouble. He, but he, what he's promised is to be with us every step of the way with us and to allow us to keep growing in our spiritual journey. So that's the first thing. Joseph knew that God had not and would not forsake him. The second thing is this. Joseph viewed every opportunity, I'm sorry, every adversity, every situation as a new avenue for service. Joseph viewed every situation as a new avenue of service. That word service is talking about serving and giving and, and, and sharing and, and coming outside of yourself. Now, a lot of times when we go through things, we use every situation as an avenue to uh, Basically, get into our little world and say, you know, I'll, I'll do something later when I'm better. But right now, it's, it's all about, I need some me time. Look at verse 1 through 8 of chapter 40. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. Listen to this. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? Wow, there's a little bit of empathy there. I don't know. If I were in prison, I don't know if I'd be cared, I wouldn't care about how somebody's face looked. Leave me alone. Go to your cell. <laughs> we both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Why do you want to even get involved? So Joseph is rewarded after a bit with a little bit of freedom. And, and, and It's like that for him because, because he's a good man and because his heart's in the right place and because God is with him. Everywhere he goes, you, always, you start to see windows of opportunity open up for him. And everywhere he goes, God blesses him. So he's got a little responsibility in the prison itself. Um, and, and you see what happens. You get the sense that Joseph's heart was not filled with bitterness and resentment. There's something in him that allowed God to, to use him. That's why you need to keep bitterness and resentment out of your heart and out of your spirit because bitterness and resentment will, will, will block God's ability to work in your life and use you. But see, Joseph was able to be useful to God. And so the king's cupbearer and the king's baker, they end up in prison, and, 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 and we don't know exactly why. Um, uh, I could just think maybe a bad loaf of bread on the part of the baker. I don't know. But they're trusted officials of the Pharaoh's court. And the chief cupbearer, not only responsible for tasting the king's food and wine, but kind of also kind of an uh, informal political advisor. And the baker had all the cooking and responsibility and stuff that the Pharaoh would eat. And so the text says this. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. Notice that Joseph, in attending them, takes a kind of deep interest in these two guys. He even notices, he lo- notices that their countenance, their face is, is downcast. They, they, he, they, he notices the expression on their faces. 
And so he asks about how they're doing, and he takes the time to hear them and to listen to them. And both of them had dreams, and they were perplexed as to the meaning, and Joseph volunteered to interpret their dreams as God would give him insight. Now, maybe it's just me, but it would seem to me that based upon what Joseph had been through, would I want to have anything to do with anybody's dream? Because it's a dream that got him in trouble and landed him in this place. But in the midst of his own situation, Joseph reaches out to help somebody else. You hear that? I I I just want to remind you this morning that your trial, your pain, your disappointment, your heartache, none of those preclude you allowing God to use you to bless somebody else. And often the, the way out of your, uh, out of your valley is to, is to reach out to somebody else. And, uh, and as you, and for some, for some of us, we just need to get our minds off of ourselves 24 yeah. seven and hear the needs and the concerns of other people. Because when we do, we start thinking about the other needs. Maybe your situation won't seem quite so bad when you hear somebody else's story. Right. And so ministering to the, to the needs of others they had a couple of positive effects in Joseph's life. Number one, it kept, kept him from wallowing in self-pity. Yeah. There's no greater relief from sorrow than, than serving others, helping somebody else. There's no greater relief for pain than doing that. If you can't do nothing else, I'm not asking you to, be, you know, to, to you know, go start a church or you know, uh, become a missionary overseas. But you, know, you can just simply listen to people. To their, to their plight and to their story. You can listen to what they're saying. You, you, can, you can listen well. You can offer g- genuine words of, of comfort. You don't have to be the Bible answer man. You don't have to be able to solve everybody's problem. But you can, you can speak what God puts on your heart. You can listen and you can just give people words of comfort and assurance. The second thing about Joseph's serving others in the midst of his situation is that that's really what led to his ultimate deliverance. If you read down to the story. It may be that this insignificant act is a kind of turning point in Joseph's life because it's his faithful service in prison that opens the door for greater service in the palace. You get that? Faithful service in the prison enabled him to be enlisted for faithful service in the palace. So the cupbearer shares his dream. I'm not going to go into all the details, but Joseph tells the cupbearer that in three days he would be restored to his position. Good news for the cupbearer, right? But then in Genesis 40, 14, there's a personal request in there. Excuse me. He says, but when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I'll read that again. But when all goes well with you, Mr. Cupbearer, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. Proof positive that he's not, he, that though God is using him and though he's doing all right, he is not, does not enjoy being there and wants to fly the coop. The juice is loose. I'm sorry, I just had to say that a couple weeks ago. I told my wife, I said, the juice is loose. I remember back in the 90s, there was a, there was a, some kind of chewing gum that had juice in it. They had a commercial that said, the juice is loose. He wanted, to, he wanted to get loose. He wanted to get free. He wanted to get out of there. Yes. He says, remember me. Uh, if my interpretation is correct, remember me. If, if what I've done to help you meant something, if, if, it, if I succeeded, remember me. You know, 
After what I've told you is true, after what I've said comes to pass. Remember me. And so then the chief baker was encouraged to tell his dream. And Joseph had a little bad news for him. So uh, he said, within three days, Pharaoh would remove the baker from the prison. Oh, that's good. No, he's going to behead you and hang your body on a tree where the birds would eat away your flesh. I don't know if I had the nerve to tell somebody that. Uh, the Lord didn't give me nothing on this. <laughs> no, what your dream means is that um, Pharaoh's going to remove you from prison. He's going, to, he's going to promptly behead you and hang your body on a tree where the birds will eat away your flesh. Gross. But this passage is less about dreams than it is about God's timing. Because exactly what God predicted, what Joseph predicted happens. But the question is, how does it affect Joseph? And that takes us to the third point there. And that is this, that Joseph chose to trust God regardless of circumstances. Because there are little twists and turns in this story. Verse, uh, chapter 40, verses 21 through 23. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to him, to them in his interpretation. But look at this, verse 23. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. And if that's not enough, he, for emphasis, he kind of doubles it down on it. He says, he forgot him. Man, I, I told you this dude has some disappointment in his life. Sometimes it seems it comes in waves, doesn't it? One thing after the other. Sometimes just when it seems, when, just when you're trying to get a, starting to get a leg up, somebody comes and pulls the rug out from under you or something. I don't know if that makes any sense. But you know what I'm saying. Just, just when you think it's a turning point, and sometimes you don't realize, for Joseph, it, this was a turning point, but he won't be able to see it yet. It's going to take maybe a couple of years, maybe the darkest days of Joseph's life. Proverbs 13.12 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. How many of you can, can identify with that? And we don't know why the baker didn't remember. We don't know why he didn't keep his promise. But it's, it basically says that he did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And so after waiting patiently for all these years for just this kind of opportunity, well, man, Joseph has done a great job. He's, God has used him with this interpretation of his, 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 this guy's dream. All of a sudden, his hopes are once again crushed to the, to the ground. The fact is this, if you don't know what I'm about to say, make sure you learn this today. Make sure you listen. Anybody and everybody will let you down at some time or another. It's not because they got it out for you necessarily. People are just people. We are all, as Christians, we're sinners saved by grace and we're still in this flesh and we still have our strengths and weaknesses. Anybody and everybody will let you down at one time or another. You can either take that in stride and decide to love everybody and to trust God and to go forward, or you can be angry about it every time it happens and you just get knocked upside the head over and over again. Because sometimes we're looking to, we're looking to people for what only God can do for us. Sometimes we're putting, we're putting too much trust in folks for stuff that we should be trusting God for. So no matter how good people are, no matter how hard they try They'll eventually let you down in some way, whether major or minor. And so much of our problem in life and our disappointment comes from placing our trust in someone or something other than God. But now listen to this. As disappointing as it must have been to Joseph to be forgotten in this moment, and unbeknownst to him, there's another 
and better opportunity that's coming. But it'll be another couple of years, but it's coming and it will be worth the wait. This is why we as believers shouldn't lose our minds and freak out over, I mean, and I know this sounds, sounds pretentious, but I mean, we shouldn't lose our minds when we lose a job, when we, when our, when we total a car, when we get a flat tire, when we go through an unexpected illness or whatever. God is God. And no matter what you face, God, the promise of Romans 8.28 stands sure, it stands true, that, that, God, that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. The question becomes, do we really believe that or are we willing to grow into, our, into comprehending that and believing it or do we just throw it, push it aside and throw it off and say, yeah, I don't care. There's no way God could, be, could love me. There's no way God could be working in this for me. There's no way. This is just bad, 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 bad. You see Romans 8.28 at work all over this because in Joseph's life, he doesn't understand he's Disappointment after disappointment. He's, he just wants to get out of prison, but there's a better future for him becoming the number two person for the whole nation of Egypt. Now, maybe for someone here today, like Joseph, Joseph had about two years of waiting. Maybe you've had two years, three years, four years. Maybe you've been waiting on something for, it seems like half your life, or all your life, waiting for deliverance, right? waiting for change, waiting for healing, waiting for, 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 waiting for recognition, wait, waiting for blessing. And then you may not, like Joseph, be in a prison with iron bars, but you might feel trapped by, by what seems to be in your life insurmountable difficulties, and you might feel alone and, and, and unsupported and let down by God, by his church, by your friends, by your family, by others. You may feel as though you have no control over your situation, but, but it seems that... Oh, the, on the, on the other hand, that your situation has control over you and you just feel helpless and lost and totally out of control. But what happens is we're often aware of what God is doing behind the scenes, what miracles God has in store, what he's doing in your life, how he's growing you into a, a greater capacity for service. He's building your faith and, and, and deepening your hope and, and giving you a greater outlook and a greater understanding. Somebody put it like this. They said, disappointments are God's appointments. When you face disappointment, God wants to meet you there. God wants to, God is there with you and he wants you to realize and recognize his presence. He wants to to have a face to face with you because he has not forgotten you and he cares about you and he loves you and he's concerned about every detail of your life. So God meets us in the midst of our disappointments. So know that God has not and will not forsake you. View every situation as a new avenue or opportunity, if you will, for service. In other words, get out of yourself and and find ways to to invest in the lives of other people around you. And then make that decision, that choice to trust God regardless of circumstances. I know when I'm somebody just saying it to you, they sound easy. Maybe you say, but it's harder than you think. Yeah, I know. And you know what? In looking at the story of Joseph and giving you and in, in, in advancing these three points, it's not like this is not a method. There's no quick fix. This is this is a, a, a this is something you learn through experience. You learn by trial and error. You le- learn through walking by faith. You learn by doing. You make up your mind. God, when I face disappointment in my life, in my life, when I face when, when I've been let down and 
disappointed, disheartened. I'm going to turn to you. I'm not going to turn away from you. You hear what I'm saying? You promised you would, you would never quit me, so I'm not going to quit you. And I'm not going to quit the church. I'm not going to quit my, my, my brothers and sisters. I'm not going to quit God. I'm not going to quit the Bible. I'm not going to quit the things of the faith. Because, God, you said you would never give up on me. So how dare I give up on you? So your challenge is to trust him. We learn to trust. It's a day-to-day thing. So we walk, you know what? This week you'll encounter new opportunities, undoubtedly, right? You say, I wish it wasn't so. But this week you'll encounter new opportunities to trust him. New opportunities to remember that he has not and will not forsake you. New opportunities to view every, opportun- every, every situation as, as an opportunity for service. Open your eyes to the needs around you this week, to the people around you that need maybe just a smile, maybe, maybe a, a conversation, maybe just to listen, to pray for, to love. To, maybe someone has a material need. Do something for someone. Give something away this week and forget about it. As you go through your thing, do something for somebody else. And then in the midst of it all, Make the choice and work with this choice to choose God. How you work with it? Well, when you find yourself not trusting, slap yourself upside the head and get back on track. Right. Make, up the, make up your mind. I'm gonna, I will trust the Lord. I will trust you. Amen. 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 Bow your heads with me for a moment.